0: pass it on the TV. If you're scanning the channels, you're just kind of required internally to stop and watch it. Uh, I've got several of those that I, I have to stop and watch whenever I see it. One of those is Indiana Jones. Um, I've probably seen the Indiana Jones trilogy, honestly, more than a hundred times, probably. Uh, I, I just love those movies that came out when I was a kid. And I think there's several things that, that kind of appealed to me about it as, as, a, as a kid. One was the sense of adventure. Um, I was very drawn to these scenes of the boulder rolling down after Indiana Jones or he swings with his whip over a large cabin or a ceiling of spikes that are about to crush him and needs to reach in and pull a a lever to make it stop and it's filled with these nasty bugs and I I can't really underscore that either or or, or move past that. There was the sense of adventure. There was also, uh, for a boy watching these movies, the sense of grossness. Uh, that, that I love that that the grossness of these of these movies, from eating chilled monkey brains to uh, snakes kind of crawling on the floor to fortune to the, the the Indiana Jones thinks they're fortune cookies but they're actually bugs, right? It appealed to my boy brain. And lastly, I grew up in a ch- I grew up in the church. Uh, my parents became Christians the year I was born, and I just grew up hearing these stories of the Ten Commandments and the Ark and the Crucifixion. And I loved seeing these stories talked about in a, in a movie. Now, please don't get your theology from the Indiana Jones movies. Uh, Please don't get biblical truth from those movies at all. But it was really interesting to me as a a boy to hear these stories mentioned uh, in a major motion picture. And stories, they define us to a certain degree. Uh, You can tell a lot about someone by the stories they're drawn to. So think about the stories you're drawn to. What kind of stories are they? Are they romantic comedies? I'm praying for you. right, no. (laughs) Romantic comedies, mysteries, adventure, true crime. What stories do you like? What stories are you drawn to? And what does it say about you? And even a better question than that is what do the stories you're drawn to teach you about life? Because a story is never just a story. The purpose of a story is, is never just to tell a story. The purpose of a story is to teach us about life, and they do. Stories teach us about love and life and good and evil, every story has a core message that it's trying to teach. This is, I, I love the class, Scott Monette does a class probably every other year or so where he takes uh, movies and he'll, he'll teach a class on the, the stories that these movies are trying to teach us because every movie, every show, every story is, it has a message. And uh, as the, the bumper video showed, Jesus loved to tell stories. Uh, these are stories uh, in your New Testament, they're called parables, And every one of them teaches us a story, uh, teaches us a lesson, excuse me, about life and faith and God. He wants us to learn about God, so he tells the story of a young man who requires his inheritance early. And he goes off and he spends all the money and he ends up desolate, he ends up losing everything his dad uh, gives him and he realizes that he needs to go home if, if he's gonna ever survive. And so he comes home and the father rejoices and throws a massive party for him. That is a story about God. That, that is a story about how God thinks about us. That when we've made a complete mess of things, we can always come home. Uh, Jesus wants to tell us a story about, he wants us to learn a lesson about how we treat each other. So he tells a story about a man who is walking along a road that he never should have been walking on. This road was known for its peril. And this man's walking on the road and he gets beaten up, he gets left for dead. And, and the point of the story is that the, one, the one who stops and the one who helps him. Helps him is the man who shows love to him. So, Jesus is teaching us how we treat each other. He's teaching us about the love that we should have for one another. He's teaching us that love takes action. He wants to tell a story about us being ready for his second return. So, he tells a marriage story, not my favorite type of story, but a marriage story nonetheless. Right? And the story goes about some foolish bridesmaids. There were these bridesmaids, and they would light the path for the groom and the bride. And these bridesmaids uh, didn't bring enough oil, and the groom ends up getting delayed, and they end up waiting a long time. And when the groom finally appears, they're not ready. They don't have enough oil to light the path for them. It would have been a very shameful experience in the first century. And Jesus tells us this, tells us this story to remind us to be ready. Jesus loves stories. Told over 40 of them. Uh, this is not going to be a 40-week series. Uh, this is going to be an eight-week series. So like, <gasps> yeah, you know, we're not, we're not going to study all 40. Um, but I, I do have a really great book I can recommend to you. If, if, you, uh, if you ever uh, come, come by me after church, I, I have a copy of it in my office. It's, it's just called The Parables of Jesus. And it, it goes into all 40. Really interesting. Um, but we're going we're gonna to study about eight of them. Uh, And there's different categories of parables, and it just so happens that there happens to be eight categories. And so we're going to look at the different categories, and we're going to look at the different parables. But for now, let's open up our Bibles to Matthew 13. Matthew 13 is the parable we're going to study today. Uh, Andrea read it for us earlier. I want to thank her for that. And we want to spend a few minutes, before we get into the actual parables, we want to spend a few minutes talking about the core message that Jesus came to bring. Because most of the parables line up with that core message. And so Jesus' core message when he came to earth was about the kingdom of God, or or sometimes called the kingdom of heaven. And it's not, not a metaphor that we use a ton in our culture, right? If you're the boss at work and if you were to walk in tomorrow and say, the king has arrived, where are my trustworthy servants, you're not gonna be the boss for very long, right? They're gonna look at you like you, you, you need to be. Or, or if you arrive home tomorrow after work, you're like, the king of the castle is here. Where are my wonderful children, right? Your family's gonna look at you like you're nuts. Uh, th- this is not a, a metaphor or language that we use very often, but we've all, we, we've all used this terminology before. We all know what kingdoms are, and, and the main thing you know, need to know about a kingdom is that every kingdom has a king right? And so in these stories that Jesus tells about the kingdom of God, uh, most of the the main characters end up being about Jesus, about our our king, that Jesus is our king. And we're going to talk about this in in a little bit, but in a kingdom, there's rules of the kingdom. In in a kingdom, there's life in the kingdom. There's ways that you treat each other in the kingdom. And, And when Jesus is our king, when he is the king of our kingdom, uh, everything changes. The way we love each other changes. The way we treat each other changes. The way we uh, interact at work, it all begins to change living in his kingdom. So a ton of his stories have to do with the kingdom. He'll even start about half the parables with, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of God is, is like. Um, and, and he'll start it that way, and then he'll use a metaphor. The kingdom of heaven is like a father who put on a wedding the kingdom of heaven is like a builder or a farmer or, or, or whatever. He uses any number of illustrations, but he's trying to teach us about his kingdom. And all he's describing is what is life like when Jesus is your king? What is life like? What, what does it look like when Jesus is your king? So the interesting thing about the parable Andrew read for us earlier uh, is that this is one of just a few parables where Jesus uh, actually tells us the meaning of the parable. Really, really nice, all right? Uh, makes it uh, easy for, like, sermon writing, all right? So um, Jesus uh, tells this parable, and uh, a couple verses later, his disciples come to him and say, Jesus, you know, I picture them raising their hand, Jesus, yes, Peter, we don't get it. <laughs> We're confused. What does this parable mean? And so Jesus tells them exactly what it means. He says, listen to what the parable of the sower means awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Right? When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, uh, what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed fallen on, uh, that falls on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. But since they have no root, it lasts for only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling on the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, uh, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and, understand it, and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So let's talk about the parable of the sower a little bit. There is a sower in the parable, a farmer, who is sowing seed. As I mentioned earlier, spoiler alert, this is Jesus, all right? So Jesus, Jesus is sowing seed, all right? Now, there is seed in the, in the parable as well. What is the seed? Jesus, thankfully, tells us exactly what this is. The seed is the message of the kingdom. The seed is the message of the kingdom. So what we need to understand about Jesus, the sower of the seed, is that Jesus comes with a message. Jesus had a message. Think about that just for a minute. If you were to think about the messages that Jesus came with, what are some of the core messages that Jesus came with? And I would consider this to be a common message. I'm going to give you two kind of main messages of Jesus that that I believe he came with. And this is for every single person sitting in this room. This is what we call common grace or common message. It is for everyone. Here's number one. You can be forgiven. That your sin separates you from, your, from God. Jesus came with this message. Your sin separates you from God, but I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to go to the cross, and I am going to forgive your sins. This is not a specific message for just one person. This is a message for every person sitting in this room that if you want to have the relationship with God you were created to have, and you know that there's a problem because you're a sinner and God is not, you know that that is a problem, you need to know Jesus came with this message. It is an all play message. You can be forgiven. Say, you don't understand what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done. I know what Jesus said. You can be forgiven through his work on the cross. That is a truth for every person. Here's number two. There is a better way to live by following Jesus. It is true for every single person in this room. There is a better way to live by following Jesus. Following Jesus, living in his kingdom, where he is our king and we are in the kingdom, following Jesus is a better way to live. Now, there's actually a story that kind of shows both these truths. It's a story we make a reference to a fair amount of time. It's about a woman caught in the act of adultery. And she's caught in the act, she's brought to the town square, and the law said that they were allowed to stone her for this infraction. Now, we have no idea where the man was, Right? You're assuming if she was caught in the act, there was probably a man that was present as well. He somehow gets off the hook, but the woman is brought to the town square and we're told that she, uh, she could be stoned for, for what's happened and they've just kind of turned a blind eye to the guy. Different culture, different time. Uh, and so Jesus says something really interesting to the crowd that's there to stone her. They say, hey, if any of you is without sin, you be the first to throw a stone. And I like, oh, that's good. <laughs> And one by one, they drop their stone, the oldest first. The older ones first, they drop their stone, and they walk away, and Jesus says, don't you see, woman, none of them condemn you. And then he says, neither do I condemn you. That's grace. That's, the, that's truth number one, that you can be forgiven. Because if anyone had a right to throw a stone, if anyone was without sin and had the right to throw the stone, it was Jesus. But Jesus in grace said, I don't condemn you. And then his very next line is, go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus says, I I don't condemn you, but there's a better way for you to live. How's this working out for you? How's this life working out for you? There is a better way to live by following me. And so these are the the two kind of core, all play messages for every single person. You can be forgiven, and there is a better life by following Jesus. Not an easy life, right? It's not always easy. We'll talk about that in a minute. But a better life by following Jesus. I would consider these to be the all play messages of Jesus. But I also believe about this farmer. As he's throwing seed, he throws common seed for every single person. But I also believe he throws specific seed for each individual. That through his Holy Spirit, Jesus is guiding and directing our steps. That he is leading us specifically that he has a specific plan for your life and for mine. He has specific people that he wants you to talk to, a specific mission in mind for you, a specific purpose for your life. Now, don't get too far ahead of me. This needs to be run through the filter of of scripture because Jesus will never contradict himself ever. And so you start with scripture. You start with what you know Jesus said. I remember years ago, a man said to me, and he said, I believe that God is calling me to continue on in this affair affair that I'm having and to leave my wife. I believe this is Jesus's plan for my life. And the only pastoral words I could come up with at the time, this probably wasn't the best, but I said, no. (laughs) No. He said, you just keep saying no. What do you mean by that? No. (laughs) I said, I know that's a no. He said, how do you know what Jesus is saying to me? Because of what Jesus has already said about marriage and about purity, and, and, and he won't contradict himself. See, Jesus is not like that guy who promised to be faithful forever and changed his mind. Jesus doesn't contradict himself. And so it, it, it's a no. So we have to run it through scriptures. We have to run it through community with other, other Christians. That being said, I believe Jesus is leading you. I, I do. I believe he has a common message in his word for every single person, but I believe he's leading you. So how might he be leading you today? Maybe it's relational, and you just know that he wants you to reach out to this person. Maybe it's financial, and he's calling you to, to generosity to help someone in need. Maybe it's a ministry, and he's calling you, causing you to get involved in some organization or get involved in some uh, ministry. Maybe it's physical, and he's calling you to make a change. He's leading you right now. I know that he is, but how? What is the seed? What is the message that he has for you this morning? Uh, there, there have been these times and I told this story just a few weeks ago but it's just been so on my mind I want to tell it again but there have been these times where I've been overwhelmed by the way that Jesus leads me uh, that, that I've told you the story before a, just a couple weeks ago about when we adopted our son Sam uh, we waited about nine months and that wasn't a big deal because from what I've heard everyone has to wait nine months <laughs> Right, So us waiting nine months was not too big of a deal, right? And so we waited nine months with him. And then when we were adopting Lila, our daughter, uh, and we were kind of warned that this was going to happen this way, we waited two years. And at the end of the two years, you have to kind of renew your home study. And uh, in that two years, I had turned 41. And I remember kind of going to Cheryl and saying, like, I kind of want to be done, <laughs> You know, I feel like this is never going to happen. I feel like we've been waiting a long time. And, and she said, I just really, she said, I want to be done too, but I really don't feel like God's kind of given us permission to be done. And we kind of talked back and forth about it a little bit. And we, we decided that since we didn't have clarity on it, we were going to do the last thing that we did feel clarity about, which was the adoption. And so we renewed our home study. Uh, this was in the fall. And uh, like two months later, Lila came. And I could tell you a bunch of stories like that, but there have been these times where I have really felt uh, Jesus leading our family and Jesus specifically leading us to a certain thing. So the farmer's throwing out this seed. He's throwing out this message. Some of it's common message, some of it's specific message, but all of them land on these soils, right? Now, here's, we're the soils, all right? So uh, some of it lands on the soils and, and the reaction, our reaction to the messages of the farmer are, are, are the soils and how we respond to it, uh, whether or not we follow it. And, and there's a couple different soils. The first, we'll put them on the screen for you, the seed on the path. This is the person who hears the message from God, hears the message from Jesus, and doesn't understand it. And, and so the evil one comes and snatches it away. Now don't hear, when I say don't understand it, this is not like a cognitive I don't get it, right? Because especially when it comes to the gospel, a child can understand the gospel. A child can understand Jesus. So this isn't, I don't understand it. This is, I don't understand how this could work, right? Think about it that way. So they hear them, this is what Jesus is calling me to do. This is what his word says. This is how I feel he's leading me specifically. And the reaction to it is, I don't see how that could work. I don't see how forgiving my enemies could work. I don't see how giving that money could work. I don't see how giving that time could work. It doesn't make sense to me. I just don't, I've told you this before too, but I've had a number of people that, like I'll be reading to them straight uh, from the Bible, like about something Jesus said about their issue. And they'll look at me and they say, I'm not doing that. I'm like, whoa, I I don't know what to say to this. That would never work. And that, that's the reaction that, that Jesus is describing here is I don't see how that would ever work so I'm not going to do it. And then the bird kind of comes and snatches it away. The next, seed falls, uh, the next seed falls on rocky ground. This is they understand what Jesus is saying. They receive it with joy. They put their faith in him but they don't really develop any kind of root system. And so... Their faith doesn't really withstand trouble or persecution. And the, the birds in this case, the, the, the one on the path never sprouts at all. The one in this case, the birds come and eat it up. And G, what Jesus is teaching us is that following him does not mean that trouble and persecution will never come. Sometimes trouble and persecution still comes. Following Jesus means uh, that, that when trouble and persecution comes, we'll have Jesus and that he, is, that he is enough. And so sometimes when you, when you uh, follow Jesus, um, it, it just seems like trouble's going to come from following that. And, and the root system here that he's describing is knowing Jesus better, loving him more, trusting that what he's laying out is the best way to live. Because sometimes to our kind of human minds, it doesn't make sense. That Jesus, what you're asking me to do doesn't make sense, but Jesus knows better. And the only way we can get there is by developing a root system of faith. Let me put this on the screen for you. The deeper the root system, the more apt we are to continue to follow him. So we're developing a root system where I, I trust him. I love him. I'm following, I'm taking these baby steps and following him more and more so that when trouble or persecution comes, I can stay faithful to what he's asked me to do. So um, I kind of came across this recently. I had this kind of internal dialogue in in my head that that Cheryl's uh, company that she's really worked at since we've been here was uh, closing their doors. And so we knew uh, that because of that, she was gonna lose her job and that we were gonna get a severance. And uh, the the time came for the severance to come. And the week that the severance came, we had kind of decided we were going to allocate this money in certain ways. And some of it was going here, some of it was going there. And some of it was going to help with our, now is the time commitment for, for the building here. And uh, we decided what that was. Well, the week of the severance, we started getting all these unexpected bills. Our, our car broke down and uh, on multiple occasions, our car broke down that, that week. And uh, you know all this stuff just started happening. These unexpected bills started coming in. And I started to have this thought of, because it seemed like it was about the same amount of money that we were going to give to Now is the Time to all of these problem bills. And I started to have this internal thought, would Jesus really mind if I used our Now is the Time money to fix my car? I'm just thinking this internally. And and then I realized, yes, I believe he would mind. Right? (laughs) The the Holy Spirit. there, There was a time where I would have said that out loud and Cheryl would have been the one to say, I think he would mind. But now I've grown enough that I'm having that thought myself. So I'm growing, all right? So like, no, I, 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 think, I think he would mind. And so I just, I was wrestling with this a little bit. And uh, I said, you know what? The day the money's supposed to hit, I'm just gonna get into the Northwest app and I'm just gonna take care of it because I really was not trusting myself uh, with the temptations I, I, I was feeling. And so I got into our bank account. I got into the app. I was getting it all set up. And the severance hit our account and we got more severance than we were expecting to the tune of about what we were, uh, the extra bills that we had go out. And what, it real, what I realized for me was I said, I got to develop a better root system. Because I struggled with that that week about all this money going out, even though we had this money coming in. I struggled with that longer than a pastor should struggle with that right? So I need to develop a better root system where I am knowing him more. I am trusting him more. I am loving him more so that when trouble and persecution comes, I can rest assured that it's going to be okay. Does that resound with anybody else? That, that whenever trouble and persecution comes, we tend to be like, I don't know if he's got it. And he's going, I've got it. I promise you I've got it. But it's like, I don't know if you have it. No, I do have it. I promise you I have it. Uh, and, and in those moments, That is when faithfulness is the hardest. It's when trouble and persecution uh, comes. And so we want to make sure to have a good solid root system. The the next soil is the thorny soil. That when they receive the word, uh, the worries of this life kind of choke out the message from Jesus. That when Jesus is calling you to do something in his word or specifically in your life, sometimes uh, this causes us to worry. Uh, that, man, if I really do that, Jesus, I'm going to have to have a tough conversation. Or if I do that, I'm going to have to kind of give some time or some money or whatever the case may be or change my priorities. And sometimes Jesus is saying that worry and that anxiety can cause us to not uh, follow, follow through on what he's asking us uh, to, to do. And the thorns kind of come up and, and choke it out. And then the last soil is the good soil. They hear Jesus, they understand Jesus, and they choose to follow him. And this is where we want to be, despite worries, despite anxiety, despite not being sure of how it's going to work out, despite what other people are going to say, they follow Jesus. And this crop grows. And you say, well, what is the crop? It's the one part of the story where Jesus doesn't tell us. He doesn't tell us what the crop is, but he says a crop is going to grow. He's going to do something amazing. And I I think it's because it's so specific to every person that when you follow through and you're faithful and despite anxiety, despite worry, despite what people are gonna say, you do what Jesus is asking you to do, there is always a crop that grows and it's always bigger than you think it's gonna be. So we don't know what the crop is. I can tell you what the fruit of the spirit is. I can tell you what that crop is. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's not a bad crop, All right? So I, I, can, I can tell you what that crop is, but uh, when you follow Jesus, a crop is always going to grow, and it's going to require faith. It's going to require obedience. It's going to require us to step out, and so what is he calling you to today? Is he calling you to faith? And maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus for the first time. Is he calling you to that is he calling you to obedience? What is he calling you to? Is he calling you to reach out to someone, to love someone, to serve someone? What is he calling you to? So I, I, some of you might feel a pit in your stomach right now. It's like making you worried. It's making you anxious. If I do that, this is gonna happen and you're already, you're already a mile down the road. Step out and follow him. The crop is going to be amazing. It's not gonna be easy. Um, I've heard from farmers, James, that growing crops is not easy. <laughs> Right, So the, the, the growing the crop is not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. Now, interestingly, this is an interesting parable uh, because this is actually not the end of the parable. Right, Jesus has laid all this out about receiving the messages from his word, receiving messages from the Holy Spirit, following Jesus fully and being the right kind of soil, and we all struggle with that. Um, and, and then he adds this little bit on uh, to the end. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to people in parables? And and the reason that they're asking that, and I've heard this for years and years about Jesus, is I've heard a number of preachers say that Jesus always spoke with perfect clarity. And I understand what they mean by that, but it's just not true. That Jesus was sometimes intentionally vague um, and and, and used stories for that purpose. And, And I'm gonna show you why he sometimes did that here in just a minute. But he replied, Because of the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even uh, what they do have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but they did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. That's why he spoke in parables. Perfectly clear, right? (laughs) And I'm just going to sit down. That's why he spoke in parables. It's crystal clear, right? Jesus had an appointment with the cross. Jesus had things he wanted to accomplish before that appointment came to be. And there were people that were looking to accuse him There were people that were looking to arrest him. There were people that were looking to send him to the cross early. So Jesus, as a strategy, spoke in parables. So that those that were open spiritually would see. And those that were open spiritually would hear. And those that were not would say, cool story. That Jesus tells a really good story and they would go on with their life. So Jesus was being very strategic with what he was doing. He said, I need to go to the cross when my father wants me to go to the cross. I need to do that at the, at the perfect right time. And so I'm gonna sometimes speak in parables. I'm sometimes gonna kind of speak in metaphors so that those who are receptive will understand, and they'll hear, and they'll see, and they'll understand. And even then, sometimes his disciples, who so he said, the kingdom of God's been given to you, disciples. And sometimes they came to Jesus and said, The kingdom of God's been given to us, but we don't get it. What would you help us to see? And Jesus would then explain the parable. And so my prayer for us as we start this series and we study these stories over the next several weeks is is this, I'm gonna put it on the screen for you. God, would you help us to see and hear everything you want us to see and hear? That's my prayer, is that we would come into this place each week of this series, and we would have eyes wide open and and ears wide open, and say, God, I want to hear and see what you want me to hear and see. I believe that you're throwing seed. I believe that you're a farmer, you're sending me messages, you're you're, you're trying to correct my path, you're trying to lead me to a better life. I I believe that. So I want to hear and see what you want me to hear and see. And that's my prayer for you, and that's my prayer for me, is that as we approach these parables, we would hear and see everything God wants us to hear and see, because I believe he is that farmer, and I believe he is leading us. I believe he is. He, he has things he wants us to do. He has things he wants us to stop doing. He wants to increase our righteousness. He wants to lead us to a better life. And we just have to have the ears to hear it and the eyes to see it. So the greatest message Jesus ever proclaimed, it was an all play message. And it was found in the message at the cross that God loves you. God loves you. Some of you grew up your entire life thinking, I'm not sure if God loves me. God loves you. The cross proves that he loves you. And forgiveness is available through that cross. He paid for all of your sin on that cross. And we're going to receive communion together right now. Like I said at the beginning of the service, we're going to do things a little bit different for the next eight weeks just to try out a new order of worship. We're going to receive communion after I pray. Uh, You'll find two cups stacked on top of each other. One has the bread representing Jesus' body. The other has some juice representing his blood. And this is an opportunity for us just to remember what he's accomplished. It is an all-play message. He loves you. He died for you. You can have the relationship with God you were created to have. And this is an opportunity for us to remember that. All of your sins are forgiven at the cross. So God, don't let me miss this. Give me the eyes to see this, the ears to hear this. Don't let me miss what you've done at the cross uh, so that I can have the relationship with you I was created to have. So I'm gonna pray. Um, we'll pass communion out. You can hold on to those, and then I'll come back up in just a minute, and uh, we'll, we'll receive them together. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you uh, for Jesus. Uh, we thank you for his cross. We thank you what it accomplished. And God, I wanna repray. Um, what I've been praying uh, as we start this series. God, help us to see and hear everything you want us to see and hear. You're leading us through your word, through your spirit, through your church. You're leading us. Help us to see it. Help us to hear it. Some of us in this room, um, are heading in a direction you don't want us to go down. Help us to see it, help us to hear it. Some of us, you've got something you want us to do, a neighbor you want us to reach out, some money you want us to give to make a difference in this world. Help us to see it, help us to hear it. Some of us in this room, we still don't believe that you love us. Help us to focus on the cross right now and to see it and to hear it, that you actually do love us forgiveness is available, and you have a plan. Help us to see. Help us to hear. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.